0: Welcome everybody. This is another Wealthy Podcast today, and it's a special one. We have Peter Escho back on the show. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's been it's been a while. What June was our last show together? That was pre lockdown, and it was uh, June, a huh? Far different, out. different, different time and a different place. It's good to be seeing people being back out and hanging out with people, being in front of this mic and, and having some good conversations. Um, today, I wanted to talk to you about a few things. Yeah. I wanted to chat about, uh, you know, what you see in the market, how you think next year is going to go, um, and a couple of curly questions after that. Yeah. But... How do you want to start the show? What, what's going on? What are you seeing? What's, what's happening in Peter Eshow's world? Well, we're so
1: rusty. I had to just adjust my, my e-phone levels here yeah. um, because they were too loud. And um, I think, first of all, I want to say hello to everybody. We're back in the office. We're back in this podcast studio. So we're excited to be back. And uh, you'll probably see a, a little bit more energy from us today than, um, than the energy you would have noticed when we were working at home. Uh, sitting at our at our home offices and you know trying to work our way through this lockdown, so it's good to be back. Um, what am I seeing in the market? I'm seeing a very strong market this year, um, following on from last year, and I'm starting to see signs of consolidation. I'm starting to see signs of some of the exuberance, some of the silly stuff that we've seen this year, I think it's starting to come out of the market. And I think, Dom, over the next six to 12 months, my hope is that we move from a hot market to a more balanced and more settled market because the fundamentals are still strong, rates are still low. And I I think what we don't want is people doing silly stuff.
0: Yeah, it's slowing. It's certainly slowing. It's cooling off and I think it's a good thing. It's it was psycho for a while. It is still pretty crazy in some parts of the market. Brisbane's been mental. Brisbane's, Brisbane's an
1: extreme market. Yeah. It's not a normal market. You you 2004 they had a 60% growth year and then nothing happened for 15 years. And then all of a sudden everybody's talking Brisbane Olympics, everyone's getting really excited. Um and then I think what you're going to see is another 10 years of of just flatness in Brisbane.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that you know some of the concerns that people are talking about now is going to be is there going to be flatness in Australia? Are we going to be, are we going to move into a time of stagflation? Is there going to be a time of quietness? Um, I don't know the next. I don't think the next twelve months is going to be that. No,
1: I don't think so. You know, stagflation gets thrown around uh, thrown around a lot, but basically, <clears throat> what's happening is we've got inflation now. But we've also got growth, you know, it's inflation with growth and there's a lot of pent-up demand after the lockdowns and Australia is just a great place, a great, great economy to be uh, investing in, to be working in, to be building a business in. And stagflation is stagflation is when the, the price of things goes up but you don't have growth um, and you don't have uh, a solid economy. It's just prices going up. So we, we don't have that at the moment. And I think what, what we'll see next year, Dom, is a lot of the inflation chats come out of the market a little bit. I think inflation will moderate. Uh, we do have really low rates, you know, really, really ultra low rates. And so you have to expect inflation. But next year will be a more of a year of adjustment,
0: and the year after. And and it's in, it's interesting because people are talking about inflation, and there are a number of key things that is causing it. Um, it's it's obviously low rates. Uh, the the halt It's been very difficult for things to get in and out of countries mm. as well. So logistically, it's been tougher for things to move around. So that's gotten more expensive for. Building materials for supplies of electronics, cars, everything has it's it's gone up. Um, now we're going to see uh, wage growth is what a lot of people are talking about because two to three hundred thousand migrants haven't been coming to the country over the past two years. There is an undersupply of workers out there, and there is a lot of activity and a lot of business opening up. So hairdressers are getting pay rises. You know, people in the in building industry are getting pay rises. It's we're seeing, hey, go up. Um, and yeah, I think that you're right. We're going to see a little bit of inflation for the short to medium term and we're going to feel it. But have you got any concerns about hyperinflation? No, not at all. And I'll tell
1: you why. Because, see, we, we went through this big disruption to the global economy. Like COVID just really put everybody on their bum, right? All around the world. So it wasn't like we had uh, an Asia problem like SARS, for example. It wasn't like we had an Ebola problem, which was Africa and a little bit in the West. Everywhere, nobody was immune from it. And so when that happens across the whole world, you get a disruption to everything, including supply chains. You know, when you take you know hundreds of millions of workers out of India and put them ho- at home, uh, when you do the same thing in China and, and everything else, you have to expect that there will be A impact to the supply, to the making of things. And that's what we've had. And so that's why things are expensive. Your lounges are expensive, your timber, your building goods, because they're all coming from markets that have been disrupted. And it will take time. It will take, you know, one to two years for the ships to get back into the groove and for everything to get back to normal. But, Don, what's happening at the same time is there's a lot of disruption going on, Right. And so the disruption that we see in technology is, having, is I believe, going to have a bigger impact uh, in the long term uh, to keep prices low. So let me give you an example. What is, what's this guy talking about? Mm. Um, if you take our business, for example, we're very frugal in the way that we spend money because we're a high growth business and we're growing and you know, we, we adopt technology wherever we can. And that technology stops us from wasting money. So what, would, what we'd need to spend 10 years ago, You know, if we had to spend a million dollars on something, today we can do it for 50 grand. Yep. And so that's a disruption happening in the market. If you have a look at cars, there's a lot of disruption in transport, for example, that will have a lower impact in the future. If you have a look at energy, we're moving to an economy and to government policies that are now trying to take fossil fuels out of the atmosphere and there's going to be a lot of disruption to the way we consume energy. There's, there's so much disruption to come. Banking, the way our banks treat us today. They beg us for business today. 30 years ago, you had to beg a bank to give you a loan. Today, they are begging to give you their services. They're being disrupted. And so all this disruption, teaching, home learning, everything, food delivery, is going to have a downward impact on inflation.
0: Interesting you say that. So just for all of you out there that are saying, Well, Peter, like what would you spend <laughs> a million dollars on inside of wealthy? Or what are you talking about specifically? Give me some examples. I've got one. So we now run an international business. Mm. We've got an office in London. Uh, we've got a setup in Buenos Aires. And for us to to run an international business 10 or 20 years ago it would have cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a million bucks to do the, Do it the way that we're doing it today, where we've been able to turn on these these offices, the satellite offices, hire people, get the, the engine running very quickly, very cheaply, and in a very professional way as well. And keep people happy
1: yeah. at the same time. So the thing about disruption is not only does the cost come down, but the product gets better. So a better product at a lower cost. This equipment, for example, you know, we would have had to have spent 20 grand on a studio mm. 10 years ago, the cameras, the editing, and everything else. Today we can do it at a fraction, and this is now outdated. We can probably go out and buy technology that's, that's even better than this. So you multiply that across the whole economy, Dom. You look at uh, education, for example. You look at healthcare, uh, for example, telehealth. You know, all these things are limiting factors, Sure, there are factors that are driving prices up, ships coming from China and what you have to pay for a container, but that's because of the shock we had and that will adjust. Mm. So there's short-term inflation, but long-term, I believe, the game is about how disruption, how your afterpays and all these businesses that have transformed the way we live are going to limit inflation.
0: So you're a big thinker. And you're, you post every single week for all of you that haven't subscribed yet. Make sure that you follow Peter and get his weekly subscription And um, his, on his sub stack. And I want to talk to you briefly about what are some of the bigger trends that you're seeing or that you're following or paying attention to over the next sort of 12, 24, 36 months. Uh, maybe their investment themes or just things that are interesting to you and how you see things evolving? Because it's a turbulent time. There's lots and lots of interesting headlines. We could talk about, you know, the developer falling over in, in <laughs> China. We can talk about carbon emission. We could talk about lots and lots of different things. So, you know, what what are some of the, the key things that are interesting to you and you're paying attention to?
1: So these are things that, that Dom and I talk about every day. He's, he's being generous. We talk every day and we share ideas and, you know, we try to – our approach is we don't try to predict what numbers. We try to anticipate themes. Mm. And if you anticipate themes, you're likely to be a mo- lot more successful than trying to say the market's going to grow by 7% next year, right? Um, predicting is, is a mug's game in markets. So some of the big thing, themes, Dom, um, a big eye-opener for me has been climate is a term that gets thrown around a lot. We're hearing it a lot in politics at the moment, you know, the government trying to negotiate, there's Glasgow, but it, it is a big multi-decade theme because what we're doing as human beings is completely changing the way we've been consuming energy for the past few hundred years. Since the Industrial Revolution, we've been digging up fossil fuels out of the ground and we've been releasing, releasing carbon into the atmosphere and we are now paying the price of that. And so what will happen is we are now going into a new world in terms of the way that we as human beings manage energy. This is huge. It's not just government. It's not just politics. There will be ramifications around it. In the same way that the Americans went to China in the 60s and 70s and you know, built relations and now we saw, then we saw what happened to China, climate's in, in happening now. And so what I think will happen in the next couple of years is that we're moving from uh, a period where everybody wants to do something and, you know, let's do this and let's do that and how about this and how about if we cut emissions to actually now policy, government policy, it's going to get legislated and it's going to be a, th- a real thing. Mm. It's going to move from a pipe dream to a real thing. When it moves to a real thing, there'll be ramifications because businesses have to disclose... Not voluntarily, but mandatory. They have to disclose their emissions. Yep. They have to start offsetting their emissions. It, the game will change. So climate is, I believe, the biggest theme, the biggest investment theme over the next five to ten years. Same way that China was a theme and Brazil and you know the BRICS and all that stuff that was driving energy. The way we consume energy is 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 a big thing.
0: And it's, it's, it's interesting. So again, we pay attention to themes. We're doing our small bit. We've launched um, the, the uh, with every investment that our clients come and, and purchase with us. We're estimating the carbon emissions that that investment uh, it creates. Yep. And we're offsetting the emissions for each of those investments by purchasing carbon credits. So in our small way, we're contributing and trying to fix this problem. And we're not necessarily unique. There are many, many businesses that are doing this. And if you just extrapolate that across all these little people doing the right thing, it's amazing. But it's not just the little people. It's the big people. Mm. Black, Blackstone.
1: Yeah. So Blackrock, Blackstone. Or both of them. Yeah. Um, what we're doing today is a voluntary thing. We don't have to do it. But we're going to move into a period where you have to do it. There are health orders in place. I have to pay tax, I have to observe the speed limit on the road, I can't voluntarily not drink drive, right? Mm. There are rules. So we're moving from voluntary to mandatory. And as we move into mandatory, the pace of these initiatives is going to exponentially increase. Commonwealth Bank is going to have to start disclosing every year it reports its profits, it reports its employees, it reports how much it pays its CEO, it's going to have to report its carbon footprint. And then it's going to have to offset or pay a price for its carbon footprint. And so all the investors around the world, all our super funds that actually buy shares in Commonwealth Bank, if they see that it's not a good corporate citizen, guess what? They're going to stop buying those shares. Mm. And Commonwealth Bank's business is going to fundamentally change. And so... This mandatory phase is going to create a lot of opportunity, and I'm really excited about it.
0: And what what does some of that opportunity look like for someone that's listening? Peter, I'm sold. <laughs> I get it. Carbon emissions are important, or rather the fact that we've got to do something about it. This green uh, wave, let's call it. Um, how do I participate? What 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 themes within that are interesting you, in and that you're that you can actively participate?
1: Well, I like to go into these things with an open mind and I always start by saying, I don't know. Mm. Um, So I'm usually wrong when it comes to predicting these things, but I'm okay with being wrong because I'll look at a thousand things and then I'll narrow it down to 110. And I think if I can get one out of 10 or two out of 10, life's good.
0: Your portfolio owner.
1: Yeah. I'm happy, right? I think carbon credits uh, as an investment are going to go mainstream The more I think about it, if you have to disclose mandatory, you know, Commonwealth Bank, BHP, whatever, I have to disclose my carbon footprint. The unit is carbon, um, you know, a billion tons or whatever. I need to offset those with carbon credits. And so credits are going to come into play. Today, the credit market, the carbon credit market is, it's very opaque. You know, in Europe, they've got their own market in... China, they've got their own. There's a voluntary market that we, you know, we as a business buy those voluntary credits to offset. But there's no standard. There's no government mandate. The Australian government has not said said these are Australian government approved carbon credits and carbon projects. So that's exciting, right, because it's a grey area and it will become more of a white area. Um, Technology, you know, the way that you measure And report and offset and invest and you know that's that's where i see the opportunities
0: it's exciting space it really is an exciting space um we're paying attention to it you should too and we're going to continue working on this even within the business now we always talk about investing we always talk about saving we talk about the economy we talk about Good productive habits for people to adopt and use to generate wealth and to make money. Um, what we don't talk, and we talk about spending money on investment, but I want to talk to you now about uh, frivolous spending, okay. some frivolous habits. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because, um, you know, a, a, as w- when you go through life, you know, at different stages. You're tempted by buying a surfboard or buying a watch or buying shiny things, a car, you know, stuff that aren't necessarily investments. And you've everyone has a different way of thinking about or justifying making these frivolous purchasing items. How do you think about it? At what point do you say, you know what, I've got a couple of investments, I'm gonna go buy a hundred thousand dollar car or, you know, do something stupid, let's say. That's a
1: really good one, Dom. Um, I'm really lucky because our values around money and investing are similar. Um, and so it's, it's fortunate that we're building a business together with similar values. I think um, you, you get your values around money and spending from, I guess, your parents. Um, you learn a lot from your parents, the things they've done right and the things they've done wrong. And you try sometimes I think to overcorrect the things that they've done wrong. But ultimately as an adult, you you what I've learnt, and this has been a lesson for me, is you have to figure out what you want. What makes you happy? What's enough? Right? If I have one chicken or I have a hundred chickens, I can only eat a chicken. Mm. Right? So do I need a hundred? For what purpose? And I think once you know once you know what you need and why you need it, then you can build a plan. And you know, I was very frivolous in my early 20s because I had to build from where I was to where I wanted to go. But you also have to enjoy your life. You also, also have to sit back and say, well, what's the whole point? You Wait, know?
0: you in your early 20s, were you frugal? You mean you saved money? Oh, frugal. Or you frugal. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I mean frugal, yeah. So you, you, you saved a lot when you were younger mm-hmm. and now you're loosening your purse strings?
1: Yeah, um, Christine and I, my wife and I were like, we sacrificed a lot while everybody was going out partying and buying jet skis and buying fancy things and, you know, we were buying investments and scraping all our money together and my work bonuses were going towards a mortgage and everything else and and now we're in a position where we don't spend extravagantly but we enjoy our life, you know, Mm. we like to eat out, we like to live in a nice area and we like to provide for our children and... That's what, we, that's, that's what we want out of life. That is my life. I can't expect other people to be like me. But if you don't know what you want, you'll never be happy. You can have all the money in the world and it won't satisfy you. And that's the biggest trap, I believe. People accumulate money and accumulate assets without thinking about the end game. Yep. And that's a trap. That's
0: becoming a slave to it. That's the other side of the, the coin you know? uh, And I suppose that's the reason why I ask it because you get on the ladder and for all of you investors out there, it becomes very addictive. The team are all investing. They're starting to make some good money and it becomes very addictive. You want to keep on saving. You want to keep on investing and you look at your 20 or $30,000 and you say, Hey, should I go buy some shares? Should I go buy some crypto? Should I go buy a holiday or a car? You know? Um, have you Have you, created any hard and fast rules i think jay-z says if you can't buy it twice and you can't afford it do you have anything like that you think about or ways that you consider that, that frivolous spending
1: No, really no i think we've got my wife and i have got a good understanding um it's not a rule it's not when we got married we had no financial plan and me being an analyst and you know being over the top in terms of planning and stuff like that and my wife's artistic and it's very different. And we sat down and we had one simple goal, one simple plan, which was to buy a property every year. Yep. That was our goal. It's changed since then, um, but that's how we started. You know, it can be one sentence. Um, and we wanted that. The reason for that was that so when we build a family, we can provide and enjoy and all, all that stuff.
0: Okay, cool. And, and you know I'm gonna be a little bit contrarian because I was probably a little opposite to Peter. I was a bit f- I was frivolous when I was younger, and I used certainly used to invest in stuff, but I did go and spend money on things that I shouldn't have spent money on. Um, but I think part of this journey is indulging is savoring the moment, smelling the roses mm. and not going over the top because you will fall into that trap of. Always investing, never finding that peace, never, you know, never in enjoying the fruits of your labor yes. along the way.
1: Yeah. And I tell you that. I say, hey, good on you. You, you. you did go out and splash out. You know, that's some of the stuff I regret. Like um, I'm, I'm thankful, but there was a cost to being frugal, mm. you know, and there's an upside to th- – there's, there's a cost benefit for everything. So have no regrets in your life. It's never too late to start but
0: really know what you want. Pete, it's always good sitting with you. I don't want to make this a big hour session because you've got things to do today. Um, I could sit here and talk for hours. Um, Any parting thoughts for our listeners, for the people watching? um?
1: Uh, Parting thoughts are, there's a big assumption out there that COVID's finished and next, like it's not a thing anymore Mm. and it will just, Windle and not be a thing like we tr- we we as humans like to think linear yeah we think along a line and oh that won't be a thing then my only advice is that have an open mind uh, assume that you don't know what will happen tomorrow and when you plan and you invest have insurances built in have backup plans have redundancies you know assume that you could get it wrong and if you get it wrong what happens don't be naive. Don't be closed-minded. Be open. This thing might go for another—I don't know—ten years. Who knows? There might be another thing, right? B- but I'm, I've planned for that. Yep. You know, I'm I'm okay if that happens, um, and if it opens up and it's not a thing anymore, I've planned for that too. I'm okay. So so have that sense of uh, risk management in your life. That's what this year's
0: taught me. Took a lot out of this year. Um, for me, parting thoughts uh i i I think that you know in all of this it's i kind of put my head down and just worked my ass off and i think a lot of some people kind of sat in their laurels and did what they needed to do but i i worked a lot so my thing out of all of this is to make sure you enjoy your time make make some time for for your friends you know make sure that you my old boss used to say to me um relationships are either getting better or worse they don't stagnate Mm. that it's one one way or another. So make time for all those special people around you. Make sure you get out there, have lots of fun, have your coffees, your catch-ups. For me, it was great catching up with the whole team. It it was just uplifting to be around so many people again. So I'm very thankful for that. And thank you to all of you out there. We really appreciate how much support we're getting. The channel's growing. We're getting thousands of views now. Um, We're getting great guests. Uh, We've got a whole team of people that are joining us over the next sort of three or four months. Um, the business is growing, it's changing. Um, we're l- going to be releasing a whole heap of new content on international markets. So if you out there have always dreamt of buying property overseas, make sure that you do subscribe, you leave comments, follow Chris and our um, our London team. And yeah. Got any questions for us, leave them in leave them the, the, the comments below. And if you don't like something we said, let us know too. And uh, if you listen to this podcast and you like it, give
1: us a, a shout-out on Apple Podcasts. Um, that algorithm really helps elevate and get us more people. Um, if you like watching this on YouTube and, and share it with someone that you think will find it, um, all the little things that, that sound cliche make a big difference. So uh, give us a helping hand and we'll really appreciate it.
0: Catch you all later.
1: Yeah.